0: I once walked into a loan officer's office at Wallach and & Volk and picked up his phone and said, did you see this? It's, it's got a new feature. He goes, what's that? I said, oh, it makes outgoing calls now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he wasn't too happy with me, but I watched him for like six hours one day. And...
1: Welcome to the Eyebuyer Experiment. We are so excited. We have a special guest with us today. We have Brian Rogerson. He's the president and CEO of Wallach & Volk. What's up, Welcome.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. It's quite a title. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, yeah. should we, Should I be, am Chief. I qualified to be sitting next to you? I know,
1: right? We're <laughs> excited.
0: It took 10 years, but I managed to grab all the titles. <laughs> <laughs> hey. He's Gr- funny, grind too. Grind until you're there. <laughs> <laughs> Walcombe is <laughs> like a 100-year-old company, too. That's what's really impressive. It's, it's, yeah, it's America's oldest privately owned mortgage banking firm. Wow.
1: Wow. wow. Whenever Another I see cool that, title. I'm like, wow, that's so neat. Yeah, well, give us a little background, Brian, about your, your career in the mortgage industry and give us like the, the highlight reel.
0: Okay, well, in uh, 1986, I was a Prubay securities dealer with my Series 7's license and all that kind of stuff um discovered that it was much easier to give people money than to take their money and invest it <laughs> uh, i went over to this small company in monroe connecticut right next door to where i lived and walked in blind and said i'm here for a loan officer position and they said yeah we're not hiring which could you huh. imagine like yeah. a real estate agent walking in and said i'd like to talk to you about joining yeah. your firm you're like yeah no we're, we're good And I'm like, "Uh, you obviously don't know what you're talking about. So (laughs) let me talk to the owner. He goes, okay. And he goes and gets this other guy. Sit down with that guy and have a conversation, which leads to the fact that I was drafted out of high school as a shortstop and they were looking for a shortstop for their softball team. (laughs) I played softball that night and got hired because of my ability to play softball. (laughs) The irony of that story is the guy that I said, go get the owner, was the partner.
1: No kidding. Oh, Oh, So for
0: the entire time I worked there, that... That other guy never liked me. So rich. I got in the mortgage business because oh, I can play softball. Hey, shortstop. It's always a- Whatever it takes.
1: That is such a cool story. That was story.
2: 1987.
1: So, so then, okay, so you're there, you, you're making loans. Tell us about the, the progress and transition.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you learn that, you know, in 1987, it's exactly the same as it is today, mm. which drives me crazy about- this generation, so to speak, which is (laughs) front load the loan, right? Like Um, like every problem should be day appropriate. So by that, if you have an income issue, you had an income issue on day one, the day that someone sent them to pre-qualify, right? An appraisal issue, yeah, that's when the appraisal gets done. So, you know, at that company, they taught you, you know, front load these deals, get their tax returns, get their pay stubs. Uh, We had to order credit reports by mail. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) By mail, yeah. They showed up in the mail. Wow. So we waited like five days to see what the credit looked like. Pony Express, well, but you definitely <laughs> learned how to be a loan officer. When I when I started, we originated the loan, we basically processed the loan. Yeah, we had to know more than the underwriter, and when the loan was ready to close, we prepared the closing documents, really? APR, everything. Wow. wow! So you guys did docs? We did everything. Wow! wow. And now today, uh, the typical person does enter. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> an a, and an AUS tells you approve eligible or not, right? Which, yeah, send a link for the 1003. Yeah. Do uh, Like everything <clears throat> is automated. And as as cool as that technology is, it's actually not helpful. I mean, mm. the better way of doing it is to traditionally underwrite. Well, it gives you a better understanding, sure, right? Sure, because mm-hmm. there were no FICO scores. So if you paid your your landlord and you paid your car payments, that, that made you an a ball. Yep. If you had some lates on a credit card or whatever, we knew you had to prioritize. You knew how to pay your... Important what mattered most But AUS doesn't know any of that. They just sees a number, right? Mm. It just kind of plugs it into the algorithm. So there's been so many changes, so many ups and downs. Rates were like 17%. Yeah. Wow. Oof. And people were lining up for money. Yeah. Mm. Wow. You know, now we go from three to six and the sky is falling. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an education time to re-educate everybody that 3% should have never existed in the first place. Yeah. It was artificially manipulated. Right. Oh, sure. And you know there was only so much of that time could go by, mm-hmm. and now you know I think we jumped to seven to get five to feel good
1: again. Yes, yeah, we adjust expectations. Yes,
0: exactly. So basically, yeah, I I worked in the business for a long time in 1996. I started my own mortgage banking firm back east. I moved out to Arizona and started the Western division of that. Um, in the mortgage crash, I had countrywide pushed back over 80 million dollars of loans wow. that were in default whoa know, do you take like a credit card or what, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> million 80 million said. dollars and wow. these were these were full doc fannie and freddie type loans that wow. people just stop making payments on and then they find a way to push it back yeah. at the originator and they basically force my company out of business wow. what, what is
2: the, like, like that's the, the the time frame right like they were within the six months.
0: Oh, it was it was it was so fast because what happens is as a mortgage banker, you need warehouse lines yeah. to fund your deals temporarily until you sell them in the secondary. And as soon as they came after me for that type of money, they made notices to all the warehouse lenders that they uh. were pursuing me for eighty million dollars. It was a ridiculous thing, but that's how a lot of companies went out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't they, they all the stuff They couldn't use their warehouse yeah. lines to... No warehouse lines, no... And tried to convert over to, like, brokering until we could get Ooh, to the other side. Duck. And going from being a banker and having control of everything to being a broker. Although, you know, right now it's in vogue. That's all you ever see, right? Yeah. But it's a cycle. It will not
1: last. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's...
0: Very so, that's interesting.
1: so that's what led you to Wallach & Volk.
0: So yeah, so Wallach & Volk, I had, uh, you know, been with my own company actually... Um, My sister-in-law was an underwriter for my company. She had gone to work for Wallach and Volk and was there for a few years. And I had been running a couple of the companies, including one in in Gilbert. And she said, you got to come talk to these guys. They're they're everything like how you ran your company, but they've been around a long time. They've made it through everything and just come talk to them. So I did. And one thing led to another. I started in Mesa with a branch that didn't exist, made it the biggest Mm -hmm. branch in the company. I did personal production, led the company in production one out of the three years that uh, it took me to get to the next level. And then (laughs) I moved from there to running all of Arizona. Then I went from all of Arizona to all branch managers in the company, about 26 locations. In 2017, the president and CEO said, I want to transition out, make you the president. it will be a five-year plan. We'll get there within the next five years. Twelve months later, I was the president. <laughs> uh, last last July, he gave up his CEO position, and now I'm the president and CEO. Beautiful. Very cool. That's how I got here.
1: Very cool. You're also very innovative.
0: Yes, very innovative.
1: And, uh, you know, in in your space, I believe, you're very innovative. You see new things and you go for it. And I want to talk a little bit about your Cash to Win program because we do promote that through Zudelio across the country. And I know that the team here, we believe it's one of the best financial products uh, for buyers. So can you talk a little bit about what Cash to Win is and how it works?
0: Sure. Uh, About a year and a half ago when you could not, Get an offer accepted because you're going up against all cash. We needed to convert our qualified borrowers into a cash position buyer. Mm-hmm. So it started out as a purely purchase transaction type of thing. And what we did was qualify the borrower, made sure they they it work. And then we made an offer on their behalf, cash on the property, and closed in like 10 or 15 days. And then we turned around and immediately sell it to the consumer so that we could put them in yep. a house. That they would otherwise had been locked out on, right? So, we thought it was amazing and that it was going to take off, and and quickly the market kind of s- stabilized, yeah. right? It went mm-hmm. from you know all all seller to balanced, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and maybe it's still balanced, and you guys have your own opinion of that. Um, so I'm like, well, now what? Are, now what are we going to do, right? Like cash isn't king. <laughs> because nobody nobody seems to care. It's an offer right. as a king. It yeah. should be. I still think it's underutilized. I think so too. It's, uh, the, it's the, underutilized. The purchase side is way underutilized, especially way. you know from within our organization. Well, then we transitioned over into trailing property. So a lot of people weren't doing anything because all their equity was tied up in property their house, A, yeah. and they couldn't afford both and or get to point B without selling that house. So we're like, hey, we don't need to be an I buyer, right? We, we can be a power buyer where we use our cash to create power for the consumer, and we're not trying to take anyone's equity. And we're very cheap compared to the other companies that are out there and their third party. So there, there's no control. So we're giving people money that they need. Yeah. And we look at each individual circumstance because um, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, there's like a $2 million property, but they only needed 600,000. Well, there's no reason to you yep. know, put them on the hook for $2 million and have a per diem. Sure when all they needed was 600,000. So we gave them the 600,000 they needed. They instantly did what they needed to do. And we were off to the races. So we even in the beginning thought of it as a purely it has to lead to a mortgage type of situation. And we've long since left that too as well. So when people like want to be a cash buyer for this next property, but their cash is all in that one house, and maybe they're downsizing or the house they have is you know, they're leaving California and coming to Arizona, they're leaving California going to Texas, you know, we're giving them all the cash they need out of the trailing property, they (laughs) buy the other house outright. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's no mortgage transactions. So it is what it is. But we're making clients for life. And we're doing a lot of things like that. You know, I've been on that cutting edge a long time. Like so even when I got to Wallach and Volk before I was a president, I had converted so many things over to like, for example, we put our loan docs out without a clear to close. Mm. So You know, we know that there's those little things that are slowing down everything, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not wait a second, we're not putting docs out because you need their most recent pay stuff. Right. Right. We know they work. Right. So and they don't get their recent pay stuff till Thursday, but the funding's supposed (laughs) to be Friday. Doesn't put our docs out on Monday and just make that a funding condition. (laughs) And everybody was up in arms. All my ops people were like, This is never gonna work. I'm like, I did it for thirteen years. That's how I ran my company. It's gonna work. I'm definitely a I seek forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> yeah, love it, but that's how My you have to be you you have cutting edge, right? You do. You have. You do. You have to push. You're those not boundaries. taking any chances. You know, you're going to be out of business. Like the, you know, that's the true. saying. I've never, I've never foreclosed on anyone. Then you must not be lending, right? Because uh-huh. that means you're not taking any chances, uh-huh. and it's just the way it works. So.
1: So uh, there's a lot there that we can unpack but yeah. one thing before we move on to something else what coverage area do you have for cash to win
0: so if we're uh, if we're acquiring a trailing property one of a property that already exists nationwide awesome be- because it's obviously we're just acquiring the property and yep. we're not in a position where we need to be licensed as a lender if we're doing a uh, an acquisition transaction it has to be in our footprint because we need to be the t- we're going to be the takeout lender to put them into permanent right. financing and we're in like 12 states all out west. So but we've been buying pro- bought in Hawaii, we bought in New York, we bought in Kentucky, we bought in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Yeah. So, you know, we find like as people move here a lot, it's actually a, a tremendous product from that standpoint cuz everybody's coming this way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in the or in our footprint between Texas and California and other states like that. So, yeah, anywhere in the United States and we just look at each deal individually. So, a lot of
1: coverage. Yeah, if,
0: if <laughs> I can, because for
2: me, you just really hit the nail on the head. I think it's underutilized right now because I know our sentiment and pro- uh, projections, honestly, on a lot of this was is it's going to do better in a balanced market, as mm-hmm. you stated, than in a crazy market. I mean, don't get me wrong. In the multiple offers where you're having to pay $25,000 and be cash over, it, it it solves a problem there. But in today's time, when you have houses that have actually been on the market for yeah, 30, 40 days, you can negotiate terms. Yeah and price. Mm-hmm. And it's underutilized by LOs mm-hmm. and agents. And mm-hmm. w- so let me just ask the bold question. Why do you think so many practitioners are
0: missing that opportunity? Mm-hmm.
1: Good question. I think
0: it's education. The, you know, the, the agent doesn't understand it. And, you know, they're, they're not going about it the right way. Like you said, if you're, if you're going into a transaction on a property that's been sitting around for 45, <laughs> 60 days, right? You could do an all cash acquisition, have the strike price be, you know, 5% less with a 2 or 3% concession yep. and have it all paid for by somebody else. Yep. Own the property, get into the position to do what you need to do with permanent financing and you're off to the races. So, I think it's an education thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a little bit scary. People don't understand what they don't understand. Um I get a lot so of new. Well, I'll give you the number one thing I get from a lot of real estate agents. So, oh, I have that. Like hmm. you do. Oh, well, they wh- think when? they think they do. <laughs> so so and I just had this happen. Um, he said, I've got that. I said, you do? Who do you, who do you have it with? And I won't give him the name of the company, but he named a company that actually does them. I said, well, how many have you done with them? Well, I haven't done any with them, but I, I've got their emails. I'm like, so you've never, actually, <laughs> you've never actually done them. And he's like, no, I haven't actually done them. He goes, well, what makes you different than them? I said, well, let me ask you this. What did the president and CEO of that company tell you about their product? <laughs> he goes, well, of course I didn't talk to him." I said, well, there's a difference. Big difference. You You're go. talking to me like I'm in the trenches. I get yep. my hands dirty every single day. I am One the I am the sole you. decision maker on every cash to win that we do nationwide. Nice. You know, I see the AVM, I see the, the situation. Make we even make decisions on the fly. We we've offered a certain amount of money and then we get down towards the closing and they need even more and we increase the amount yep. that they take on the advance and it's 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 a tremendous product, but it is Very way tremendous. it's way underutilized on the purchase side, especially especially like you talk about these properties that have been around 30, 40, you know, 60 days, it's time to start Mm -hmm. analyzing where's the opportunity here. Well, and I think some of the
2: agents, right. And again, I'll just kind of speak to what I've seen that they'll see that there's a program fee cost, right. Which Mm -hmm. again, obviously is very nominal, like you said, but they're missing the fact of, the negotiation power, not yeah. only from the price. Hey, seller, we
1: can
0: close in ten days. Yeah, right, right. So they're price. desperate. They're <laughs> yeah, this, but even terms. Gonna so like you two, said, two three percent, two three percent.
2: Exactly to negotiate and cover that, uh, the, the the program fee. But as well as one of the biggest things I like to talk about right now is everybody's afraid of the higher rates. Well, if you if it's the right property and you get enough concessions, guess what? You can buy down the rate a quarter of a percent, half a percent. Right. I mean, I, I know that there's parameters yeah. there, and, and that's not always the you know hard and fast. But these are opportunities that practitioners should be actually opening up their, their lead funnel with these opportunities. So it's just like, for me, it's like, we should be shouting this from, from, from the rooftops.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. You
2: know,
0: and, and one of the things that we've done specifically at our company is we use it as a security blanket mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I allow our loan officers or and their agent partners to go to the person with that property that is listed and hasn't sold yet. And go out into the marketplace and make that offer with confidence. Mm-hmm. Set their close of escrow date wherever they're... And now they're getting away with like some 45s and even 60s, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hey, if you sell the house, I'll throw this contract away. This contract is only if you need it. So you have Ultimate 100% security. security in that I will acquire this property so that you can close on that new property in 60 days. But if for any reason that thing sells and you can make it happen without me, God bless. We'll just give you the security of knowing that you can proceed. That has been a tremendous uptick because what happened was um, they didn't feel like obligated where they had to sell it to us. So they had that security blanket. And then obviously a lot of them turn into transactions as a result, Mm -hmm. but a good percentage of them don't. Mm -hmm. So we're doing them a, a favor. We're doing them a service by giving them that, that carte blanche to go out into the marketplace, negotiate the deal that they want and have that property be available for a cash transaction, if necessary, right before it closes. And we're talking days.
1: That's that's incredible yeah. that you're doing that, really. Do you think that this competitive competitiveness that you're giving your LOs is, uh, how is that impacting them in the marketplace?
0: Well, ironically, the top LOs in our company are also all the top producers of cash to win. Transactions. Not surprised. So shocking because they're, they're also having the most conversations, right? And I think that competitive edge for Wallach and Volk is that you go to a real estate agent, and you say, Hey, I'm Brian Rogerson, I'll always call you back on time. You can reach me on Saturday and Sunday. I'm a really good guy. I do FHA VA and <laughs> conventional and, and you'd be like, yeah, minimum expectation, right? Yeah. right? Wah, wah. But if I come and say, Hey, I've got this program where we can take people turn them into cash buyers on the purchase site or use their existing property to create a transaction that would not happen otherwise. You got a few minutes. That's the edge for us. Yep. But, it's, but you can tell, not all of them are talking about it. Because mm-hmm. if you're not doing any, you can't be talking about it. Mm-hmm. So the ones that are talking about it are doing way more transactions than the, the ones who are not.
2: Yeah. Now let me ask you this piece, right? Because this is another thing I love about these innovative products, right? It's, it's about growing the brand of Wallach and Volk. Are, how how well is this being adopted by new LOs, right? And are you guys using this to recruit and, and actually grow your your origination footprint?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, so definitely the new LOs are very receptive to it because they're they're they are they they do not know anything different, right? Very cool. So it's very easy to say this is what you lead with and mm-hmm. this is where you go because, like I just said, like all those other things, everybody should be doing. Yep. Like you should call somebody back. That's not a, that's <laughs> like urching. People deal with me. They think like text, email, or phone call, they're all instant messaging. You email me, you get a response within five minutes nope. normally. If yeah, you text me, correct. you get a Good response story. right away. So I'm trying to educate them. Like it's all about service. It's a service industry. It's not an interest rate industry. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. within an, you know, an eighth, a quarter, three eighths, which is a marginal difference in payment, but it's the service that gets it done people chase the lowest rates and what they usually chase is a loan that doesn't close Mm. because there's a reason why that, that rate was advertised that way. Probably can't even be delivered and, or most people don't qualify for it and they find out deep into the 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 process Mm. and then they get the rate that they could have had all along. Finally, after dragging themselves through this process and they stay where they're at because they always reward the person that lied to them. They lose lose the service. Exactly. But the, Mm. you know, the, the, the marketplace needs to understand that there's so much innovation that could happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing um, that starting to really it's grow. continuing. Like to unfold, yeah, I think we're doing you know, four or $5 million a month currently in, in, in the cash, cash to win. win. Very cool.
2: That's
1: incredible. I I just love it. I love that you're innovative. And we talk a lot about innovating, especially on the lending side. And one thing that comes up on this podcast often is (laughs) I always say, I could go to the Cadillac dealership today and I could, you know, walk out. I could probably walk out with two or three Escalades at, you know, $400,000 in in Escalades and we could drive off the lot. Why can't I go today and get a mortgage? And what would have to happen in order for that process to be streamlined and quick?
0: Well, I mean, the process is available already where, you know, other than dealing with Dodd-Frank and the, and the disclosure yeah. timeline, like the disclosure timeline is, is longer than we need. Mm-hmm. So we could close faster than the law allows. Um, like I said, it's all about front-loading. Like it's not that difficult to have a conversation with you and understand where you're really at, right? The mistake people make is they're not taking that time to have the high-trust interview where they probe a little bit deeper and certain statements that consumer will all, they're not trying to lie to you. They just don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So you, you've got to know what to ask them, right? If I say, Jason, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm i a landscaper. And I go, okay, how much do you make? And he goes, I make $100,000 a year. And I just instantly try to qualify him that way. I'm out of my mind. Cause yeah. wait a second, maybe he owns a landscaping company. He doesn't pay any taxes. He makes over $100,000 a year, but he writes everything off, right? Mm. So I make zero. got to, you, gotta, you gotta, <laughs> yep. You've got to probe, and you've got to keep going, and, and that's the understanding that most people, they're so afraid of hurting their sale by asking too many questions. It's actually the opposite.
1: Yeah, they're hurting. Themselves. Like, I want to
0: do business with the person that's asking the probing questions because I know they know what to ask. Instead of just trying to rush through it, issue that prequel. And that's the other thing. The prequel, there should be some penalty for the prequel not being worth anything (laughs) oh i agree it it should have to have more value than the paper it's printed on (laughs) Uh, but no one gets held to a standard right and i understand but things change well that's different like you could prove that if you issued a prequel and they lost their job sure that's easy and that's that's you could prove that but you should have to be able to back up that your prequel was actually valid but you know that would be more red tape
1: right right so, the, so you think that the process could be quicker, it's just the disclosure time frame.
0: I think that the yeah, process, three, seven, three I think the depending on who you're dealing with, the process is already quicker than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in and out of transactions in 10 days often. And that's like the least amount of days that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Now, not all financing transactions even have that kind of timeframe right. associated with them. Necessity. Which means, but we should always be like, the Wallach and Volk thing is that we should have our docs to closing three to five days. Prior to the close of escrow day,
2: because all
0: the anxiety mm-hmm. is waiting f- to see what happens. Hundred percent, right? yes. And if you just get them there, everybody is calm. They're oh. not even signing them. <laughs> like it's the true. docs go to title on Monday. docs are title. All right. And oh, the, and the person, person strolls in on Wednesday to finally sign yes. them. But if I didn't send them to Wednesday, they'd be like freaking out. Where are oh, my yeah. docs? It's such an easy common sense thing. Like I think that for me, I just apply common sense and having an aggressive approach to the industry, which is why can't you do it that way? Well, who said you had to do it this way? Yes, we can put out docs five days early. I mean, they're all common sense Mm -hmm. approaches and even this cash situation, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Is there some risk? Yeah, and you know, I screwed up some stuff early and learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I did wrong in the beginning was one of the first transactions we did, was like an $800,000 house and we were advancing 600,000 on that particular borrower's needs. We bought it for the 600 and gave them 600. We just created the comp
1: for yourself, for, for
0: ourselves yourself. Yeah. Oh, to hurt yeah. ourselves in the resale to get all the money back. Yep. So we learned that mistake, Yep, you know, yep. fast mm-hmm. and <laughs> did it the right way and set the, you know, set the market price where it belongs. And the advances accordingly and off to the races. So it is a lit, you know, you live and learn. So mm-hmm. we've made some pretty good mistakes. Another one, we accepted an offer on a property without like even looking at it because I just assumed that they're sending the offer. It all makes sense. And why would you send me the offer if this hasn't all been vetted out and blah, 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 blah. Lost $31,000 on that. Oh, ouch. Because Ooh. I had no idea that. The, nut, the math didn't work. And it was like a Sunday night instead of like slowing down <laughs> and doing the math. I accepted the offer. So it's it's all live and learn. And, and we've gotten way better at it as a result of it. And we're making things happen in so many different ways, especially um, turning people into pure cash buyers when they've got that trailing property. So yeah, it's not great for the mortgage company because we're missing a mortgage transaction, but we're doing service to our real estate agent. To yeah. The, the consumer going to refer everyone yep. to us. Um, yep. and, and time so fast. Yep, We did one where the deal fell apart in New Mexico. They were moving to their retirement home in Texas. And three days before they were supposed to close on their New Mexico sale, so they go to their retirement home in Texas, that deal fell apart on that side. We bought their house for cash in New Mexico in two days, and they became cash buyers on their original close of escrow date on a property that would normally be everyone five alarm fires. So it's Very stuff cool. like that that goes on, that solving problems. Yeah,
1: yes, but That's it what it's is. All about.
0: It, but to your point, it should be better than it is. So it's possible it exists already, but it not not for everybody. Mm. Yep. And even within my own company, some are better at it than others. Like right? so, like learn to be like this person and get it done. Hmm.
1: Well, you know, it's it's pretty apparent while why welcome bulk is flourishing under your leadership. You're just doing some really cool things there. Uh, Let's let's talk a little bit about just the real estate industry in general, because it's it's been a really interesting time this past year. And you know, you've seen a lot you've seen a lot of market changes and cycles. Uh, What are what are you sharing with your LOs about, you know, what you see for the future of real estate?
0: I still think that there's an upside. So people need to buy. And, you know, you've, you've seen the term running around there, you know, uh, marry the house, date, the mm-hmm. rate, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, everything is going to be cyclical. So, sure. you know, rates that were three have moved up and then they're starting to come back down, but these rates will probably come back down in the next six months. And so why not get in there now? And you could always refinance. And like you said, if you do it right, you could have the seller pay for the buy down yep. and put yourself in a position where, you know, you've got the same low payment all the way up to the time where you refinance. So I'm pro real estate. I'm not a big stock yeah. market guy. I always use the example of if you bought $500,000 worth of Enron, what do you have today? <laughs> <laughs> right? But if you bought $500,000 worth of property at the peak mm. of this entire marketplace back before the crash, the value of is actually up.
1: Right, like
0: Mm -hmm. there's plenty of stocks that we can Mm -hmm. talk about that the value is not up (laughs) and there and there are companies that you never would have thought yep right so i think real estate is always the solution whether it be you know cash flowing investment properties or you know second homes or primary residences that it's it creates um generational wealth that's my big thing because i I grew up in a in a in a different time i grew up in a city you didn't walk on our side of the street Mm Um, I learned to speak with only my fists for the first like 14 years of my (laughs) life. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Brockton, Massachusetts.
1: Wow. So,
0: you know, it was when I moved to Connecticut. being a boy growing up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The only problem was, is when I moved to Connecticut, I didn't know that the response wasn't supposed to be punching him in the face immediately. (laughs) So um, I quickly moved to, I will never throw another punch unless someone throws the first one. And that's what I've teaching my grandkids and yeah. my, all my kids is like, be the finisher, not the starter. Cause <laughs> I was definitely probably not the finisher at first. Cause I was coming from a different place. You didn't yeah. have time to think in yeah. Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. You better throw first cause you might not get a chance. Yeah. So it's a whole different world. And, and, you know, generational wealth with real estate is how it's possible, right? Mm-hmm. So anybody that plans right can, you know, get that mm-hmm. home, whether it's a starter home, a, a step up uh, their final, dream home, whatever, and eventually get it to a place where they're leaving that free and clear for their next generation. And if they do that for their kids, their kids will be in a position to start doing the same type of things and create generational wealth. Because like, if you think about Europe, Europe's notorious for people having inheritances Mm -hmm. and big inheritances, right? Inheritances in the United States is, I, well, I know for a fact because both my parents have passed away and each one of them I wrote checks. So I know uh-huh. that there's no inheritance that existed <laughs> in my lifetime, but I am reversing that with my children and, and hopefully cool, their it. children. So I see real estate as that long-term generational wealth. It's a place where you raise your family and, and you're going to gather with your family. I'm doing things to my current home that make no sense from a real estate investment standpoint, but that's where I live. Right. And that's where we're going to gather. So, you know, that pool and that Ramada, their trade-offs for quality of life. And everybody has that and can have that in this marketplace. There's so much opportunity still to acquire property and not be a renter. The thing that drove me absolutely crazy and made me question whether I'm really that smart or not was rates were like two and seven eighths, and every corner was putting up an apartment
1: building.
0: Mm. Mm. And you kept saying to yourself, why are they building all these yep. apartments when everyone can buy? They've got two and seven eights, They've got down payment assistance programs. Like almost anybody that wants to, that put themselves in any position to do so, could buy. Mm-hmm. Yet they're so building true. apartment buildings everywhere. Well, they obviously knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. And now yep. look at that shift. Like we're seeing a shift where renting is going to become on well, rent a norm right yep. Yep. spiked and they're crazy have been it, going
2: crazy for year after year
0: and affording a home is typically lower priced than a rental especially when you factor in the tax deductibility and yep. all the other things yep. that can be put yep. into it a home use of an office if you're yep. if you've got a side hustle or whatever so real estate's where it's at i think it'll always be where it's
1: at i agree i agree
0: that's why all yeah, these we all institutions are buying billions of dollars worth of the properties and yep. putting them in. And time heals all wounds. So even if we dipped like we did, like we thought, oh here we go, and everyone keeps talking about this major Phoenix crash in value. It didn't um, happen. Two point one percent. Yeah, it um, didn't happen. It spiked thirty, and so we gave up two of thirty. I'm like, I'll do
1: that all day long. Yeah, all yeah. day long. Well, <laughs> and,
2: and if you're like looking for that type of volatility and timing, usually you're in a flip, right? right? Like that's that's usually on the only time where they're like you're trying to forecast your next sixty to ninety days. But if you're ho- planning on holding it at any length of time, three, you know years, 20 years, you know, the, the property, it's always going to be steady growth, right? Like, I mean, you've, if you look at that, what is it, that 100 year index that's been done so many times, right? The amount of growth that's, that's gone on is, is obviously just astronomical in the real estate world. And I think, that the, I, th-
0: I think that the, you know, the challenge is the getting the owner occupant into properties first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. So you saw, you know, Fannie penalized people for second homes and mm-hmm. for investment properties. And I get it at that time, and we still have an inventory issue, right? So we do. they're still going down that path, which is primarily getting people into homes that want to live in that home and raise their family. And I'm a proponent of that. I get, I get that Me comes too. first and foremost, yes. but there's also a lot of properties that are in certain locations, second homes and, and whatnot, that they are truly second home communities, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're not really taking someone's primary occupancy no. away from them. And, you know, these big conglomerates buying all this, rental property, you know, that that's a problem, right? And so, you know, we're seeing some leaning towards those guys being slapped around a little bit to prevent it, but they're always going to find a way. Yep. Their oh, access yeah. to uh, their access to capital is almost unlimited.
1: Didn't, didn't they, yes. JP Morgan, just raised like another $30 billion? Yeah. for it's that purpose. Yeah. It's, yeah. In, yeah. it's yeah. the largest um, raise for residential real estate. It's insane.
0: So it's very difficult, I think, for you know, first time home buyers or whatever. But, you know, I'll I'll give you a quick example in Connecticut. So 1987, I went to work for the mortgage company. 1989, I bought my first property mm-hmm. and it was a two bedroom condo for $375,000. Wow. And that 89? was in 1989. Wow. And then you had like a, an association fee of like $600 a month and taxes back there were like and seven. And you eight, had a rate of like right, 15, right? Exactly. And so if that could happen then, and I could find my way into a property, clearly people can maneuver the 5 to 6% interest rate range yeah. and where these properties are at value is. Plus, Arizona in particular, like, you know, taxes are low. Mm. Uh, you don't, you know, pay $6,000 a winter to heat your house, <laughs> No, right? You actually almost have no electric bill right. during the winter. I mean, there's so many reasons for being here and values of the property should continue to go up, especially with this type of inventory shortage, and the builders just not building the way they were.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's let's wrap up today with some advice to our, our listeners are primarily real estate agents. And I know that you give your LOs a lot of great advice on how to go out there and build incredible businesses. And so I want to leave today with some advice for the real estate agents that are listening on how they can go out there and really build their business.
0: Well, I would say the first thing is, is working your database, your sphere of influence. In fact, I just saw a publication this morning, which surprised me with the percentage of where the loans come from. And it said like 35% of all the loans in 2022 came from the realtor referral. And like 27% came from your database. And social media was like 2% and <laughs> yeah. online was like 7%. And you know, the builders were under 5%. So everyone's always saying, I'm losing all my loans to builders or this, this and that. Mm-hmm. If no, no matter that's... whether you're a loan officer, a real estate agent, it is working your sphere of influence. It's, your secret it's agent. making phone calls. <laughs> having conversations. Who do you know that's looking around? Who do you know that could, I could help. Who do you know that has been working and should be owning? And for whatever Mm. reason, they haven't even pursued it. I'll have a casual conversation with them, but it takes work. You know, I once walked into a loan officer's office at Wallach and Volk and picked up his phone and said, did you see this? It's, got a new feature he goes what's that I said oh it makes outgoing calls now (laughs) (laughs) so you know he wasn't too happy with me but I watched him for like six hours one day and the phone was never in his hand I'm like well how could you be a loan officer and go six hours without making a phone call I mean my my phone has buzzed 20 times since we've sat down this is how it's done you have conversations and I think for the agent they need to you know work that sphere and they need to multiply from there, whether it be offering advice to small businesses and how to get the people that work for that small business into real estate, because mm. people that employ people that own homes, they don't move around. Mm. The the people that move around job to job to job are the ones that don't own a home. Mm. So once they buy a home, they kind of stay at their employer too. So it's good for the employer to have their employees be homeowners. Yeah. There's a lot of stability there. So I would say first and foremost, it's work that sphere of influence. Make sure you work in your database, make those phone calls. Um, even though you think that they may not be interested in something, they may know somebody that is just recently talked to them. And you've got to, you've got to work the, the calls. Yeah. So Beautiful.
2: recapping that simply though, you, as if we take like the cash to win and a database, right? What I'm hearing you say is that you can inspire transactions through giving a unique value proposition to these clients. So if you I e, got something to talk about, right? how you're gonna solve a problem in that particular marketplace, you actually can put yourself in transactions that you probably weren't gonna be in before.
0: Absolutely, if Shock. I was to you know, trade spots with you guys and be in the real estate business instead of the money business, right? I'd be contacting all of the clients that I put into properties or yep. other people that own homes and say, hey, have you been looking around? Is this something? something that you'd like to look out there and see what's available well i don't do that because i don't i don't want to go through the hassle of selling my home and then not finding the home i want no no no. we're not talking about that we're talking about find the home you want and we've got the house you have covered one way or the other through a traditional sale that happens during the period or through the cash to win so that you can you know with confidence move forward and you know transact on that new home and we're seeing a ton of that yeah like my best loan officer bar none probably does 10 cash to wins a month but wow. only four or five of them turn into I actually fund them. They're so hedges. the other five are all hedge. hedges and that number is rising and rising and rising and that whole it. group of real estate I, agents that, that are working with them are going this is a no-brainer. Yes, yeah. I love mm, it. It's a no-brainer.
1: Is that here in Phoenix or It's it? every yeah.
0: I will 100% do it here in Phoenix.
1: Oh no, I was yeah. talking that specific one is Yes. Very that, cool. that loan
0: officers in the Mesa office. And another one in Cheyenne does the same thing, and and she's in a market where you would think it'd be a little bit difficult to explain this. Cheyenne's small, and you know, a fraction of any of these, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. small towns type of thing, and people get it, Mm -hmm. and it's just giving them the confidence to go out there and to explore their options because it's a reason to get them out there. And yeah. now they're out there, and they're like, "Oh, wait a second, that's my dream home." I can do I, this. I, I want to do this. Yeah, right. and I can do this now. I can so do, I've do. Had it. that conversation with that loan officer. Yep.
2: I think that that's super relevant what you just said. Whereas there's so many people like where in like a market like the Phoenix uh, Mesa, you know, Metro, it's becoming almost more expected mm-hmm. to have these types of value I propositions agree. versus mm-hmm. a Cheyenne where it's like, hey, they can lead with this, and now it's a unique thing. So it's it's really cool. But uh, again, I, I mean. So like Kayla was saying a second ago, our listener base, we have a lot of LOs too. So I want to make sure that they know if they want to do more deals and more business, that they can reach out to you and possibly open up the conversation to see how they could work with something. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, I would say that, you know, from a Wallach & Volk standpoint, when a loan officer comes to Wallach & Volk from someplace else, we have traditionally doubled or tripled their business in the first 24 months. And they stay there. I can see Um, why. And we don't have turnover because of it. And we're a smaller company, 300 people, but, you know, and we're built that way intentionally because with the rise and fall of economic conditions, these, these big lenders that have 30,000 yep. employees, <laughs> they, they got, they got yeah. beat up pretty bad the sure, last yeah, yeah. 12 months. You know, we get, you know, we break even, lose a little bit of money. No big deal. Cause we're positioned to do that. We're positioned to go long, but people with, you know, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 oh. employees, they're just hemorrhaging money right
2: now. Yeah. And yeah. they haven't come out the
0: other side yet. No, mass layoffs, mass layoffs,
2: and Acqui- the, or getting acquired, and I know the, several of them. The values Burgers. of the loans in the yep.
0: secondary have have shrunk, Shrun, so yeah. the margins are, are razor thin. So you take you know fifty percent drop in volume, and the loans worth half as much as they were before. Boy. It's a much bigger multiplier that puts them in a bad position. We're, we we want to be innovative. We want to continually look for the next big thing. Keep keep pushing the limits of what can and can't be done. At my company previously, I had an ad that we ran and we were doing it. We did a drive-through mortgage. They came in in the morning and we had loan docs out in the afternoon. Wow. Back before (laughs) Dodd-Frank. Wow. And you talk about, (laughs) you know, freaking everybody out. Oh yeah, that did it. It freaked them out. Yeah, I bet. But it worked every single time. A drive through A drive through mortgage. Now, That's you cool. think about it. Drive like, who mortgage. needs That's a drive through Like H- even Hardly who, anybody. Who, who even needs a 10-day close on a regular transaction, right? right? Not but very many. The fact that you can do it is the separating yes. factor. It makes you better you know. at, you know, all that other stuff, you know. So, you know, to the, to the point with the cash to win, either a real estate agent or a loan officer, this is what makes us different. We're out here dealing with things that are just, people don't even comprehend, right? There's a big trend towards mortgage brokers right now. So yep. mortgage brokers, they work in their underwear, they have no assistance, they <laughs> sit in their house and they wait for a transaction and they have no control over it. Real estate agents aren't really down with a partner that can't control the transaction. So you know, they, they're definitely selling price only, right? They're yeah. not gonna have any of this stuff. And if they do, it through third party vendors that it takes two or three weeks just to get a decision. They cost three, mm. four times what we do to transact. And again, no control. It's just, I offer it, I have it, but it's not really the same thing.
2: Got it. Very cool.
1: Well, it has been such a wonderful time here today. I feel like we could go on and on all day, but we so appreciate you. Thank you so much for your value and your wisdom. It's been a great Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. You want to tell anybody where they could where they can find you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, like well, I said, I know we got some LOs out here that yeah, uh, guarantee we It's Wallach
0: started. and Volk at WVMB.com and I'm right there on the website, Brian Rogerson, just reach out to me direct and give
2: me a call. Awesome. awesome. And he will. Thanks guys. Way. Remember to like, subscribe, and tune into the next one.